Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We're Washington defeated Oregon 36 to 33 in front of an announced crowd at 71,321. Temperature at kickoff is 63 degrees, and it's kind of wild at the end of the fourth quarter. We started getting a little bit of rain, but we're in the visiting coach's box at about the 50-yard line high above Husky Stadium, and uh, it's raining outside. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. definitely raining outside. And the so. nice thing is we don't have to walk as far anymore. Yeah, so uh, we avoided that, but just an electric atmosphere, starting with ESPN game day at 6 o'clock, and uh, they were talking about students being out there as early as 4 o'clock. Did you get a chance to talk to Josh, intern Josh? about coming in what time did he get there did he say he he has been up since midnight yeah he went to bed early woke up at midnight went down to the field thing no it was electric and uh, Chris I'm sure you watched it but Pat McAfee just did nothing but rave about his whole experience Mm -hmm. here he did yesterday on his show too I think he was pretty much blown away on what was happening around here yeah he did his show here at Husky Stadium and he had Kalen DeBoer with him and all that stuff and yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I think he was a little concerned because of his tete-a-tete with Washington State. I think hopefully someone got to him and, and told him that, hey, if you have a problem with Washington State, Washington fans have your back. That's not a problem here. That's You're dealing with something that's, that's that you would have had to deal with cross-state. So think, no problems there. I still think a lot of people don't understand how far away Washington State is from the University it's of Washington. five hours away. Well, especially, yeah, especially since this was his first time here, like, Josh Pate was here for 24-7 Sports and, and CBS, and he came in, and this is his first time here, and he raved about Alaska Airlines, for instance. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people experiencing Seattle for the first time on the national stage. You had Stuart Mandel and a whole bunch of other people here. Pete Thamel. Yep. I, did you find it a little bit odd? They talked to – they had Kalen DeBoer here, but it looked like uh, Dan Landing was down in or- – it looked like he was at Oregon. Uh, he video. probably was in his hotel room or something. I have no idea. It looked like the team room with their leather chairs down in Oregon. I, I just found that a little bit odd. So could, They could have pre, they could have pre-recorded something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah, they did. But uh, the game day, it, it looked like the production on that went really well, and it was a lot more crowded than I anticipated as well. Really? I didn't think it would be that packed. It looked to me like it's it was the biggest that it was of the three times. It's really? Been. Yeah. Yeah. Even the first from time back when to, they played from, Oregon. Yeah, from back to front. Yeah, it looked huh. it looked packed. Okay. Well, yeah. I I I thought the crowd was awesome. Yeah. Um, I thought the way that the um, hosts integrated the fans were were really good. They were really good with the Washington State fans. They didn't have any problems with the with the flag and everything like that. And yeah, um, if there, let's put it this way: if there were any problems, you wouldn't have known it by the broadcast. No, no. and and Desmond Howard kept on calling him Phoenix. Yeah, well, he also <laughs> called him something else that wasn't Phoenix. But I will tell you too that it was interesting. They had a quick little segment. I think it was with Jess Sims, who um, she was on a boat with Anthony Anderson mm-hmm. and Cedric the Entertainer, and it looked like they were pipping some. Either some rubs, like barbecue oh. spice rubs and stuff like that, but they had they had barbecue duck 
they were eating some barbecue duck and she was like oh that's interesting so hey foreshadowing and just for the record people have been telling me who joel McHale is i still don't know who joel McHale is well he's an actor (laughs) okay so am i What what did you think of his performance today I thought he was awesome. I thought he was really good. I thought he honestly. was awesome. Hon- I'm going to be honest with you. I was honestly surprised that they had him back because uh, when he was on for the USC game, he made fun of Lee Corso. Like he was kind of ribbing him about his picks and why would you pick that and things like that. And, and I was I, honestly, I was surprised that Corso picked Washington. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the last time they yeah. were, he was up here, I it's just it's like look I, I understand Lee Corso is what he is nowadays but it, it's just that's just not not no bueno with ESPN on stuff like that so I was honestly surprised he came back but today he and Lee Corso really interacted well together um, he was painted half gold half purple yeah um, and I mean he went yeah, all he out sold, he yeah. sold out. he sold out and that dog. poor dog by the way that they handed him in the <laughs> that yeah had, I don't that dog was scared as hell I don't remember the yeah the dog's <laughs> name but the well the owner was basically like take I know him. take the dog he was like okay sure why not <laughs> yeah Scott you had a chance to come down to the field uh, pre game yeah. it was as jammed as I had ever seen and there were a lot of a lot of guys down yeah, there. A lot of celebrities, a lot of old husky players. Um, first of all, Cedric the Entertainer and Anthony Anderson, who yep. you talked about. J Rod was there. Yeah. Uh, well, Kalen DeBoer got him a jersey, forty four yeah. jersey, which I thought that was awesome. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, Josh and I ended up photobombing right. But we didn't realize we were doing it until I turned around right as they were taking a picture yeah. of of Anthony but Anderson. What, and I was gonna say, why Cedric. would you too? Because it's like right in the middle of warm ups. I know. DeBoer rolls over there. Hands him the jersey, takes a quick picture, and then goes right back to yeah. warm-ups. Yeah. Oh. It's amazing to me what Kalen DeBoer does. Because Sark never would have done anything like that. Sark yeah. got so dialed in on game day and was so competitive that he was just never... Kalen DeBoer is very competitive, oh, but yeah. he's got no problem doing what he needs to do yeah. to, to boost up the program. But anyway, lots of... Uh, Players on the sidelines, Danny Shelton, first time in eight years he's been able to see a game Corey at Husky Fuavai. Stadium. Corey Fuavai, Dana Hall. Keontae Bankhead. Yeah, yeah <laughs> wow. Keontae. He money. He isn't a former player, though. Uh, but, money. Uh, Lawyer Malloy go. was there. Lawyer Malloy yeah. on the sidelines he, was a little crazy. Yeah, he well, he looks like he could still play. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, well, he's dropped some. He's dropped some. Yeah, he's small. He's smaller, but still, mm-hmm. I mean. But the former player going most crazy on the sidelines during the game? Who? Dante Pettis. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dante. Yeah. Dante said he signed an injury settlement, so he's done. Yeah. So he's living down in uh, down in L.A. And so. then also sounding the siren today, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. 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 Yeah. So great, yeah, great I mean, it was you guys. Th- this must be what it's like at a USC game every every week. Yeah, and uh, Mike Hopkins was here, Quincy Pondexter, um, Will Conroy, and they had a recruit, a point guard out of Minnesota, and we'll get a little bit more information on that a little bit later. But what I liked about uh, point guards, one of my favorite things about a point guard, I love point guards that play football, and he had a, the, this point guard that they had in from Minnesota play had a football game last night. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I was going to say, who's, who was the point guard that, that played football that went to Gonzaga and he was from Minnesota? Jalen, was it Jalen? Well, I can't remember his name, but either way, well, well, yes, they're they're usually really, really, did he really sign really a scholarship with Gonzaga. No, okay. <laughs> well, Brock Osweiler had a um, yeah. had a yeah. Uh, yeah. scholarship offer to play basketball in Gonzaga and chose football, but um, the amount of people down on the sidelines was it was nuts, insane, and yeah. crazy. That was as crazy as I'd ever seen. Scott, there were a lot of recruits there, but you'll dive into that a little bit later in the week. Uh, well, probably the recruiting blog a little bit. All right. And so, just a couple. But there is something on the front page right now from Steve Wolfong 
that kind of gave, it gives a little bit of a cursory reaction from the recruits mm-hmm. on, on the result of the game. So that people should go to our front page uh, today because there is something right after. Yeah, not to dive too deep into it, but probably the biggest name is the defensive tackle. Jericho Johnson was here. Yeah, yeah. He was he was on the sidelines with his dad. Looked real. I mean, he's a big he's guy. He's a big kid. Yeah, yeah, he is a big dude. Well, they need some big dudes. Yeah. Well, this guy's one of those space eaters. He's a, he's a guy who's going to be along. He's not on the same level athletically, I don't think, as Vita Vea. But he's that kind of space eater, like a big yeah, guy. Maybe, maybe more like Drake Gaines. When I looked at him like and him. I saw him through the binoculars, my first thought was Elijah Qualls. Well, you, do you remember what I said? I texted you and I said, yeah. Eli- I said Jericho Johnson's here. Yeah. And you said, really, where? And I said, yeah. he's wearing red. Right. And it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got him. One of the things I'd like to see is I'd like to see measurements with measurement yeah. of, of, for linemen, just yeah. how wide they are. They're, yeah. ver- they're Instead of their vert. With linemen, do their horizontal. Yeah. But I'm saying the combination of the size and the hair, to me, yeah. it was Elijah Qualls. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. Had a chance also pregame and then postgame to uh, talk to, uh, just have a brief chat with uh, Troy Dannon, the new athletic director. He was absolutely blown away. Coming from Tulane and coming into this, blown away. By the way, Kim, we, I don't think I told you this. But we had a quick conversation with Troy Dannon on the, on Tuesday. The gaggle, right? At the, after really quickly after the gaggle, because the other uh, administrators wanted to get him because he needed to do about ten more things before he left. And so I told I told Troy, I said, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the week that Jen Cohen was hired at Washington officially, they won a national championship. Yeah. So the bar is raised. He goes, "Ooh, that's interesting. I wonder what that means for this weekend." I go. Who knows? <laughs> so he was well aware about the stakes for, for today's game. As much as this was such a huge win for Washington, a national championship is probably a little bit. And guess where that national yeah. championship was won? Yeah, at Oregon's. In Eugene. Course, yeah. <laughs> In Eugene. Uh, also, um, uh, he said he's, got, he's been traveling a lot lately. Mm-hmm. He's got to take off tomorrow for Big Ten meetings in Chicago for tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, we kind of rolled through on our emergency podcast, game. We talked about how he went from, like, New Orleans to Charlotte to Indianapolis to, you know, back to New Orleans yeah. to Iowa, back to Seattle. And yeah. back. It was like it was insane, the, the amount of frequent flyer miles that guy racked up in the last week or two yeah. it's, got, it's insane yeah just again you know the pregame the noise was just unbelievable i had a chance to talk to uh chris chris hein um and he said that the highest me- uh, highest reading today was 129 yeah well that'll tell you about 1992 yeah well 129 is in- still but, incredibly high by the yes. way was 1992 the tommy smith uh, i have to sack? think well we don't know for yeah. sure but i have i have to think that's the play yeah. that did it yeah, because yeah. what is it like one thirty three six or one thirty four? One thirty two. I thought it was something like that. I'm just yeah. telling you right now, I, I'm on the sidelines for every game, and I've been on the sidelines in at Ohio State, Michigan, the Rose Bowl, Autzen, here. You know, wherever Washington's played, I've been there. Yeah. Right. There's nothing that comes close to this loud. So just to let you know, Kim, people were asking us about the noise on the board, game day board today. And I said, well, per Kim, and of course I couldn't put what you actually texted us. (laughs) But I said, per Kim, it's freaking loud. (laughs) It is. That's as loud as I've ever. That's as loud as I've ever heard it. And the other other thing, too, Scott, you know, fans were there early. Yeah, they were in their seats. The students were here really early, two hours early. But the the actual fan, like the the students are fans too. But the the actual fans who aren't students, they were in their seats. Easy twenty to thirty minutes. And the other thing too is we're used to this halftime exodus. 
It didn't exit. No, no, I mean, they went, but they were back because we're used to seeing, you know, halfway through the third quarter, you know, empty sections. No, it was full. And I'll tell you what. So Tony Castricone had a great tweet uh, right after the game where just like last year's game, right before the Taj Davis touchdown, I think Oregon was predicted to win like 95% of the time. At, right before Washington got that stop on fourth down that allowed them to get the ball, and then Penix goes and scores with the pass to Roma Dunze, Washington or Oregon had a 96% chance of winning that game. And I'm here to tell you, the fans were constant throughout. And that very last series with Oregon and that kick and everything else, the last minute or two, they were just as loud as they were the very, very first series when Washington was able to force the punt. All credit to Washington's fans today. They came and they showed up. They did exactly what the what the fans or what the team needed from them. Take the noise level and the atmosphere today. Say like this is a nine, right? A nine today. What would you say the Apple Cup's going to be? I, I think don't it'll think, be less. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like this, Kim. Because I think I think this whole I think the I think the Apple Cups jumped the shark. I think it's now it's Oregon, Washington, and I don't think there's any question, and I don't think there was any question going into this game. Yeah, I think it's this is the heated rivalry, the Apple Cup. Now, granted, if they still, if Washington State still has a muddied future and they haven't gotten picked up by the Big Twelve or whoever, and and there's still a lot of contention from that, yeah, it might get heated on their end. But from Washington, I think the only way it reaches or gets close to this is if Washington's undefeated. Yeah. Then I think it could get to a Maybe, fever pitch. Yeah. But well, especially, especially if that that basically sends them to the to the conference title game for sure. It has to, right? Yeah. You would think. Um, but yeah, I think that's about the only way it was. But it, there's a chance it could get a little chippy. But I don't think it'll get as aggressive. I don't think it'll get as physical as this game was. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, kickoff on the to- coin toss. Washington elected to take the ball. No. No, they lost the toss. I they thought lost. they won the toss. No, no they, they lost. lost the toss. So they got the ball to begin the begin game. the game and uh, went four plays and out. Yeah, and so did Oregon State. They Oregon. went three and out. Oregon yeah. went three and out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I thought it was funny because everybody – these are the two most explosive offenses in the country. Yeah. And both defenses were like, um, really? Yeah. You think? So – I think we're all, so, feeling, yeah. we're all feeling pretty good about our, our picks. Yeah. After, you know, upon reflection. And the thing is, is I, I took yeah. it in my prediction. I just said, guys, I just don't think it could be a, a shootout in the traditional sense, like a 52-49. Yeah. Because there's just not enough. There's not enough drives anymore. With the yeah. new rules, you just aren't allowed. If you get nine to ten drives a game, you're doing well. And Oregon outpossessed Washington by almost ten minutes today. Yeah. Yeah. That was about really more like nine. But that's really sizable. And how many more plays did they run? Uh, I thought twenty. Yeah, considering well, considering how they were able to run the ball, they they did a really really good job. They had eighty four total plays to Washington sixty one. Yeah, so that that was twenty three more plays. Yep. We talked about you know my prediction. I said it would come down to turnovers. We only had one turnover today. Uh-huh. Where Michael Penix, it looked like miscommunication with Rome down yeah, here. Rome went one way, he went another way. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I thought the other thing would be coaching and. Uh, I think uh, Caleb Washington won the coaching. Yeah, Washington definitely won the coaching. I think Washington won the coaching, but barely. Chris and I talked about this because I fully questioned Dan Lanning going for it. Twice? Well, but definitely going for it at uh, the end end of the first first half. half. And um, I I understand why he did it because he said to himself, I get the ball when I come out second half. So even if we don't score, we still got a chance to take the lead. But the problem was... 
my reasoning is you get the ball first in the second half, you get three points. Now you're down one. You go in, now you go in and score a touchdown. Now you're up more. And so I thought that was a questionable call, but later in the game, Chris and I talked about it. We disagreed with Kalen DeBoer's decision to go for it on fourth and goal. Um, and if you're going to make that call, I understand why you make the call, just like I did at Dan Lanning, but I disagreed with it. But if you're going to make that call, don't take the ball out of the hands of the best player on the field, and that's Michael Penix. And I was going to say real quick, guys, I, th- I know there's so many fans that get frustrated in this, just how coaches approach these things nowadays. And DeBoer even said it himself because he was asked questions about it post game, and it's just like, guys, we got to be aggressive. We know they're going to be aggressive because they know we're going to put points on the board. And when it comes down to it, I think as a as a head coach at the top level right now, you have to have a little bit of riverboat gambler in you. Now, do do you need to have like Dan Lanning levels of riverboat gambler? Not necessarily, but you know, it was twenty two eighteen at the half. If they had kicked, they would have been down one at the half. If they go and they kick again, they're ahead in the game. And so ultimately it comes down to you lose by three points. They had two opportunities to kick a field goal and you lose by three. If he is not questioned about his coaching decisions, there's a problem there. But let's put it this way. I get it. I know what he's thinking. But at, at, at some point, you really have to override your heart and go with your head on some of these things. Were you a little surprised on Oregon's first touchdown they went for two? I, not necessarily because, that's, again, that's in their DNA. That's, and I think that's in Washington's DNA too a little bit. Maybe not to Lanning's extent. But no, because bottom line is ESPN barely caught it. It was just boom, boom. It was done. I think they were anticipating that Washington didn't, uh, wasn't seeing it coming or, or wasn't uh, positioned well enough. And, and they saw what they needed to see and they went for it. I, I think it's just, again, it's one of those things, Kim, where you read it. And if you see a certain look that you get, you're going for it. And there's so many big plays and so many just momentum changers in this game because it was just like, you know, somebody says it's like a 15-round fight and they're in round 13. But Washington's second touchdown where they went for two points and, I mean, they went in some wild – it was like a Chinese fire drill is what I was looking at down there. But uh, I thought it was the tackle who caught the ball. And it, was it was Westover. It was Westover. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was the third touchdown tell near me the what, end of the tell second me what half. what happened there because, like I said, I, I, I couldn't figure out what I was just – Well, no, basically it was just a little – it was a little dive play where they were throwing the ball quick to him like a little screen. But he basically went in with a wall. And it was almost one of those things where you catch the ball so close to the goal line, it's almost like all he has to do is just fall over and he's in. And that's kind of the way it worked. But I'm telling you, in real time, kind of that bang-bang nature of that play, that was, that was close. Yeah, Scott, uh, Jalen McMillan looked like he got hurt. And, you know, uh, Early. Kalen DeBoer talked. It seemed like it was the same thing that uh, he'd hurt last time. What did you see on that? I, I didn't even know he got hurt. Yeah, it wasn't. It was one of those things where he kind of, it must have gotten a bang. But it was the same thing with Penix. No one could really tell what he was going through in the fourth quarter until DeBoer talked about it. Says basically he's cramping up the entire fourth quarter. Um, he wasn't cramping up. Well, that's what DeBoer said. (laughs) He wasn't. It. it, I mean, just someone said it was ribs. It looked like he got shot. I may get in trouble. Well, it, didn't, for it, it didn't stop. It didn't stop throwing the ball. I may get in trouble for saying this, but I was talking to Elise Woodward, and we both kind of agreed that uh, it was a rib thing. And when he was in the um, medical tent, they they numbed it. 
is what it sure looked like. I could be way off base on that, but that's sure what it looked like. Well, I mean, whether whether it means he, I, maybe we should have gone and looked to see if he had a flak jacket or something on. I because I didn't see any of that. I just saw that the the there was a little bit of of um, uh, taping going on the oh, inside yeah. of his of his left arm, but. You know, well, what was concerning is he was in there, and all of a sudden, one of the trainers walked out with his helmet. And I'm going, yeah, that's not good. But they were they were definitely under the gun, Kim, because he came out at the very last minute. I was, well, we're I all looking. You. I even said it's going to be Dylan Morris. Yeah, we're, we're we're looking to see Dylan Morris warming up and going out there, and all of a sudden, he just sprints out to the to the, the huddle. Well, and Dylan it's like, actually okay. had started to run out, right? And then he saw Penix, and Penix ran out. This was this was Dylan last year's this was last year's Bo Nix Thompson moment. But instead of Bo Nix just saying, nope, I'm going to gut it out and go through, he was genuinely hurt, whereas with Penix, Penix just gutted it out. Dylan Morris did not warm up at all. Well, no, but we weren't paying attention to that. We just assumed, since the tent was still up, that he was still in the tent. And you were telling us, hey, they got his helmet the whole bit. Because it's like when Jalen McMillan, when he got his helmet taken away, he wasn't coming back. But I'm telling you, in the second half, Kim, I don't know if you noticed it, on some of the TV timeouts – Jalen McMillan was in that offensive huddle. Yeah. He was pumping guys up. He was giving guys high fives. You could clearly see he was talking to them about different things and giving them encouragement. So Jalen McMillan was still very much in the game. Um, he just couldn't play. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How big of a game? Do you, Dylan Johnson, to me, his, every game he seems to be getting better and better and better. He had 100 yards rushing today. Yeah, 100 yards rushing, and Scott and I were kind of joking about it in the third quarter when Oregon started to get those stops and started to put some points on the board. I'm like, would we have ever said in this game that Washington made a mistake by going away from Dylan Johnson? Yeah. Because that's just not who, what we expected. Yeah, well, that they thing had to... two straight three and outs, yeah. and that was because they, they decided to throw six straight passes. Yeah, and well, most of them to Rome because, Scott, I, I agree 100%. Your observation at that time was it looked like – Mike was targeting Rome like almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. Whether it was in the flats, whether it was down the field, he was really pushing the ball to Rome. And whether it was just a tip here or a you know an overthrow by a yard or two there, it, they just weren't connecting. Was that 
after the injuries to those the two starting corners? It might have been. It might have been right and around that, might that time. Have been why? It might have been right around that time. Well, you know, you say that Michael was looking at um, Rome, but. Uh, Rome and uh, uh, Jalen Polk both had the same amount of targets with 12, but the guy who we didn't expect to play and was kind of surprising came out of nowhere, Giles Jackson. Yeah. Where'd yeah. that come from? Yeah, and I mean, he, I was like, are they just trying to get him involved early or whatever? But he gets the 26-yard touchdown. He makes two really nice – I mean, he, he catches the clutch fourth down pass. Um, on that last drive, granted they didn't end up going in and scoring, but um, you know he he had. I just I was very impressed with Giles Jackson and, and Michael uh, Penix after the game. After the game, said that you guys don't get to see it in practice, but he makes those catches every day. Yeah, and I have full faith in him when he's out there. And Kim, in that you talk about Polk. I mean, he had a phenomenal game too. You talk about the number of targets that fourth quarter drive where they got stymied at the on the East End Zone mm-hmm. with Tyler Rogers. He got four targets in that just that series alone. Yeah. Yeah. So they were really they were focused on him, and he was delivering too. It's just again, like we saw at Michigan State last year, and some other opportunities. It's just cashing it in inside the five. It's sometimes been difficult for these guys. Roma Dunsey targeted uh, twelve times with eight catches, eight catches for one twenty-eight and two touchdowns. The one was just a big strong hand catch in the fourth quarter. Two of both Jaylen, of his touchdown catches were J- strong catches. Jalen Polk also had 12 targets, uh, six catches, 118 yards uh, with a touchdown, and Giles Jackson targeted eight times for six uh, six catches for 58 yards and uh, one touchdown. Oh, look, can we talk about the throw right before the touchdown to Odunze for the – Odunze for the um, – To Jalen? Yeah, the one to Jalen Polk. The bomb. I – well – I guess it could be called a bomb, but what was it? Well, the one that was the, was it the free play? Yeah, it was the first one. It yeah. was the free play. Yeah, and um, I mean, I I was like, that was a poor decision by Michael Penix that he got bailed out on. Now, Chris, you yeah. made the point, and I don't disagree with this necessarily, but you made the point that that's kind of been their thing. Yeah. They've just been throwing it up to the best players on the you know the the better players, and that's what Washington's doing. But um, I mean, I'm I'm just telling you right now. That safety should have come over and made that well, play. Well, right, because their bread and butter this year is trying to identify the 50-50 balls, right? But that wasn't a 50-50 no. ball, was it? No. That looked more like one of those balls you see in 500. Like, you're going to camp under it. Yeah, I got it. I got yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, someone comes and nabs it from right under you. But, yes, again, that was one of those plays where the more that they kind of got into that thing – they made they made a really really they made a really big catch when they needed to, and it was that downfield section of that game where they had to make those plays in order to be able to score and to keep up with Oregon at that time because that's when Oregon was starting to really establish themselves. But you take a look, we're taking a picture I took of Jalen Polk making that catch. Yeah, he's got a corner underneath and he's got a safety over the top. Oh yeah, I he's know. bracketed. But I think the thing that did he underthrow that a little bit, which makes it a little I, bit more difficult I can't to defend. Tell. I, from our angle, it was hard to tell. I thought he just threw it up for grabs. Well, in theory, it can't be considered a back shoulder throw no. because it wasn't on the look sideline. Look at it; it's not, yeah. and it's not back shoulder. No, but it, but but again, it is yeah. an identification thing. Polk ID'd that thing as soon as it came out of Penix's hand, whereas the safety and the and the corner clearly had a lot more tr- a lot more trouble trying to figure out where that ball was in the air. And while we're looking at this, just uh, give me your opinion of the Oregon's cookies and cream uh, uniforms. Oh, I, I, I hate their uniforms, so you don't even I don't I can't talk about them. 
yeah. without without sounding disgusted. I, I hate their uniforms. Yeah, they're really weird. Best man. uniforms they wear are the green and yellow ones. And I don't like those either, but at least those are their colors. No but, comment. But again, the touchdown pass by Rome in the fourth quarter. You know, take a look at this and look at how strong his hands are. He's got a defender on his arms, and he's still able to catch that. No, and that's one of the reasons why he's going to be right up there with Marvin Harrison Jr., as the top draft picks for next year's draft at wide receiver. He's a, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's a slam dunk first round pick. I think this game would have sealed it, especially for the thirty plus scouts that were here in attendance today. Um, just had he had a monster game. It was interesting because I told Scott this. I thought that Rome kind of had the game that Jalen McMillan had last year at Oregon. I don't know if I don't remember if J Mac had the touchdowns. But he may have had one, but but Rome with the two touchdowns, but they both had about eight catches for 120 plus. And so for Rome to pick up the slack when J-Mac got hurt again and to get the addition of what Giles was able to get them and then obviously rely on Jalen Polk to, to do what he does best, it was a ham and egg for the ages as far as I'm concerned. Penix was just gutting that thing out at the end and, and nothing but credit for him. No, just an absolutely crazy game. And then uh, to, uh, giving Oregon the ball back, what they have about a minute 40, minute 50, minute, 30, 30, minute yeah. 38, and they seem to just march it down the field like a hot knife through butter. Well, no, not, I mean, not, not in my opinion, but it, it felt like they were setting themselves up, setting themselves up, getting to a certain spot. And then you thought maybe they'd take a, a shot or two in the end zone. It never really got to that. Um, but then, you know, 43-yard kick, it's wide right. I mean, we saw it. We saw it with Peyton Henry in Austin a few years ago. It's, it's it just these types of games come down to these moments. I was confused, and I was next to Elise Woodward and Lawyer Malloy down on the sidelines, and we were really confused on it appeared that Washington had stopped them on third, was yeah. it third? Yeah, fourth, but fourth, Oregon fourth. called a timeout. It was Oregon who called the timeout. Yes. But yes. they ran the play. You're, you're talking about the play where it got stuffed, stuffed. and then yeah. stuffed, the run got stuffed, and then after the timeout, they threw the ball quick to Peter, uh, to Terrence Ferguson yeah. out in the flat for the first no, down no. to keep it going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, we just couldn't figure out who called the timeout. You, I was as confused initially, and then Scott was like, I think they called timeout. And then the reason why we were unconfused very quickly is that the down marker was staying at three. Right. And they had moved it back yes. to where the, the thing was. Yeah. yeah, but just going down there, and we had a chance to talk to Roger Rosengarten after the game, and he just says deja vu all over again, you know, yeah. with Peyton Henry missing that, and came full circle with them missing. So it didn't look like he missed it by much. I was on the side, so I couldn't tell. Yeah. It wasn't well, it, much. It wasn't much at all. It was really close. Honestly, when it from where we sat, I couldn't tell, you know, how far off it was or whatever. Yeah. I just but, looked at the officials. But then I'm watching, watching, well, and I, I waited for the fans. Yeah. So, but the thing is, um, when, when you watch the replay, you can, when he hits it, it looks like it's going. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just starts to draw just a little bit more and more and more and more, and it just missed. And I don't think that the wind had anything to do with it. The no. wind was pretty solidly down no, there was almost no all wind. day. Yeah. No. One thing I will say, and Kim, you'll, you'll, you'll confirm this, is that when DeBoer talked about it, unsolicited, he said, yeah, this game really felt like last year's game. Very deja vu-ish. Yeah. Just in terms of the ebbs and flows, 
one team started to get a little bit of a hold near the end, and the other one, and then Washington just comes back and and snags it, uh, snags victory out of the jaws of defeat. Yeah, just some uh, stats on the stat sheet that you kind of jump out. Uh, net yards rushing, Oregon had two hundred and four. Yeah. Washington only ha- uh, had ninety nine yard- net yards rushing, but uh, Oregon with five hundred and forty one total yards, and Washington with four fifteen number of plays. Again, Oregon with is it eighty four? Washington with sixty one. Time of possession, Oregon uh, with 34-21, Washington with 25-39. And kind of a couple of uh, things that really jump out, too. I think the big stat that really, really, really jumps out. On fourth down, Washington was 2 of 3. Oregon was 0 for 3 on first down. That's, that's Fourth down. On fourth down, yeah. 0 for 3 on fourth down. Yeah. That's a big number. Uh, individual statistics. Um, again, Michael Penix, 22 of 37 with one interception for 302 yards with four touchdown passes. We went over the receiving yards. Dylan Johnson with 20 carries uh, for 100 yards. And Bucky Irving, boy, he's a good running back. Uh, 22 carries for 127. Jordan James, another good running back. 11 carries for 63 yards. Bo Nix, 33 for 44 for 337 and two touchdowns. Um, Troy Franklin was targeted 11 times, eight receptions for 134 yards. Troy Franklin. 154. 154. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you guys this flat out, Bo Nix is still in the Heisman race, guys. Don't, yeah. don't, even, don't even think twice about this. They lost by three points, and he threw for 330, kept his team, kept his team in the game. They, they targeted the guy they needed to in Franklin. They got their contributions. I'll tell you what, another shout-out, Jordan James. Mm-hmm. When he got absolutely rocked by Mish Powell to start that game, when the when the crowd was absolutely on fire those first couple series, and he come back and still ran the ball 5.7 yards a clip. Yeah. That was impressive. I, there was a lot of guys in this game, both at Oregon and Washington, that gutted this thing out. Yeah. Uh, the guy on the field that I saw talking the most trash, by the way, Troy Franklin. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he backed it up. Eleven, eight catches for 154. Yeah, that's backing it up. Yeah, no. So he was talking a lot of trash, but uh, just a wild, wild game uh, out here today. And you know, want to do some defensive stats? Uh, yeah, just defensive stats, real quick. Eddie uh, Ulafosio with 11 tackles. Uh, Alfonso Tupatala with nine, Elijah Jackson with eight, and playing with a big old club on his hand, Asa Turner had seven tackles as well as uh, Dominique Hampton. Yeah, and a special shout out to Elijah Jackson because he started that game out rough, yeah. and he did get burned a little bit later in the game, but he came back and he he put himself back in the game and to come up with eight tackles, I thought was really good. But it was tough because he got a personal foul early in the game that was pretty decisive on one of Oregon's scoring drives. Didn't need to do it at all, um, but got his head back in the game, and I thought he did. He ended up making a difference. Well, and then uh, Mohammed uh, Jabbar Mohammed had the PI. Yep. Um, and I honestly live, I didn't think it should have been PI, but then it you was. watch it, it was definitely PI. Yeah, yeah, so. it was close. But. And really, to be honest, what was the what I, was the penalties that for the team? Oh, in terms of the overall yeah. for yeah. both sides, five. only five. Yeah, I mean both teams both teams had penalt- uh, a decent amount, but it weren't. I, they weren't necessarily punitive as far as I could really yeah, tell at the end it. of the day. Um, Where are they? Yeah, here we go. Five for 55 for Oregon, five for 45 okay. for Washington. So, yeah. and so, But at the end of the day, I was really kind of surprised that Oregon, they had a couple PIs called them, just like Washington. I thought that, that might be a, a slight key in the difference between the two defenses because Washington has had a very 
difficult time going man to man down the field without getting called hey, PI. By, by the way, how about Elijah Jackson's breakup yeah. of that? Uh, t- it would have been a touchdown like, pass. Yeah, like I said, I thought he he kept his head in the game. Um, kudos to Juice Brown and, and those guys for getting him back in where he needed to be, get dialed in, get locked into what he needed to do. And, and I thought he came back and did a really, really nice job. Yeah, he had some bad plays today, no question about it. But instead of sulking, instead of dropping his head, he stayed in it. And kudos also to his teammates for keeping him in the game too because he made a difference at the end of the day. I thought Carson Bruner at times played really, really well. Oh, the yeah. Stats don't show it, but uh, he was in a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, he yeah. was. Definitely. Talking to some scouts about guys like that, especially n- not just the NFL guys too. There are CFL scouts here today. Yeah. Uh, our good friend Rob Rang working working with the BC Lions. Talking to him about some of these guys, and, and, and we talked a little bit about Bruner. And there's a there was a scout from the Steelers who's really high on Carson Bruner. So I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might even that. There might be some inducements on I, that. I, one. I, I don't honestly know. think he might be having a you know being with the mom. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by his way, it's his dad. It's might, his dad. Yeah, as I say, we don't. We're not talking out of turn on this. No. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up, guys. There's still a lot of work to be done yet tonight. No, we're going to go celebrate. No more writing. Celebrate. Yeah, done. <laughs> so anyway. And that's why you went yeah. to Washington. I didn't. Yeah. So. Uh, come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, great win for Washington. It was a great showcase, I think, for Pac-12 football. It's the last year of the Pac-12. Um, you know, I mean, this is a game that lived up to the billing. We, I mean, it was – if you had no rooting interest in this game – this is what college football is all about. There were some mistakes made, but the, the atmosphere was electric. Two really good teams throwing haymakers at each other. You know, lefts, rights, all that, roundhouses, all that different stuff. They took the best shot that each one had, and they came back with their own. I just, I loved being in the stadium and being able to watch it. Because this week, I didn't even think... I didn't think I was even going to be able to make it to this game because I had 101 temperature. So you're saying the rest of us are going to get sick now? No, I'm past it. Oh, okay, so, good, But good. The, the thing is, um, you know, I'm glad I got to be here. There, there was part of me that was like, eh, you know, it's just going to be any other game. It wasn't any other game. This is – I other than the USC game in twenty or 2009, yeah. I can't remember a more electric game. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Stanford game in 2016 was pretty electric to start, but that was a blowout. Washington had to come back against USC. It was an electric atmosphere then. Washington had to come back in this one. Electric atmosphere from kickoff to the, to the final gun. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, I'm telling you, Pat McAfee nailed it when he talked about it. it wasn't just a, uh, It's not just a showcase for, for Washington, Oregon. This was, a, this was before the game. This was during game day. He said this is a showcase – to let people know across the country what West Coast football is all about. And I don't think you could have gotten a better advert. I told people at the, after the game, to be honest, yeah, the 2009 uh, invasion, the, the, the fans rushing the field after the USC game, that's probably the biggest one since. Now, I know they've had fans rushing the field. Like even last year against Michigan State, they rushed the field. There was no rushing the field quite like 2009 that happened today. Mm-hmm. That was to, what happened today was on a totally different level, and it was basically just the culmination of so much energy that was put into this game and the result. You could just tell it was like a giant exhale, and the fans just spilled out in the field, and the rest is history. So, I and I also told some guys after the game outside of the 2000 game at uh, against Oregon State here, where that was also decided by a wide right kick. In favor of the Huskies when they won 
when Ryan Seska missed wide right at Neist. This is as good a game at Washington that I've ever seen. And I've seen – I saw the 92 Nebraska game. I saw the all was purple – all I saw was purple game. This is, this is as good right at the top of the list of, of every single game I've seen at Husky Stadium because this had it all. No, it was back and forth. It was contentious. The crowd was loud. The weather was great. Um, it was a 12.30 kickoff. 12.30 kickoff. This is as good a game as I've ever seen at Husky Stadium, you know, and just putting making it against Oregon just kind of puts yeah. the cherry on top. I mean, it's, this has been a, the same game against um, Oregon State or uh, – Wazoo. Yeah, even. it wouldn't have been uh, as epic as this, but – you know, shout out to the fans. They made it happen. And uh, somebody said that there was 18,000 Oregon fans. I'm not buying that at all. Maybe half. Yeah. Maybe 10. I, maybe 10. I, don't I could th- see 10. The, 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 the top northeast corner was pretty green. And they had the band there, I think, or where. I don't know where they put them. But, yeah, I mean, if there was 10, I'd say 10. That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, I got one of my good friends, and uh, he's a big Oregon fan, played football down at Portland State, and he's all Oregon, 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 and uh, he's the one who's always talking trash, so I haven't texted him yet, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear. Oh, Chris got the text, too, from his dad. Yeah. Yeah, he's waiting for his cup. Yeah, we'll we'll get going on those. I've got some work to do, so hopefully get that, that done in the next. Either tonight or tomorrow, we'll get that. Cool. Plus, a, plus a few other surprises. So, um, just a wild, wild game. It's what, it's, uh, guys. I've said this on the board. This is why we do this. I mean, we go through a lot of nonsense and we go through a lot of sacrifices at times. But you know, this is what makes it worth it. Just this. And, and, and guess what, guys? You got twenty four hours to, to to revel in it. Twenty four hours to enjoy it. Twenty four hours to let it soak in. And then it doesn't mean anything if they lose against Arizona yeah, State. You're right. I mean, then. it's all for naught. So they, they can't stop. The level, the bar has been raised another two or three notches. Now you're looking, I mean, what, what do we think? Before we close this stuff out, what do you think they're going to be ranked at on Mon- or come Sunday? Well, come I tomorrow? think it depends on who loses in front of them. Okay, but do you think What they is USC be, ranked? But do you think, I mean, this is a win against the top ten. To me, this is as good as Texas winning against Alabama or that Oklahoma. was on the road, though. I understand. Or Oklahoma beating Texas in a neutral site game. Yeah. Or uh, or Ohio State winning at Notre Dame. Okay. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of what are the real marquee wins right now. And, yes, most of them have been road games. Yeah. But this is against I mean, the, the biggest, top 18. In this 13-game stretch, right? Washington just hit 13 games. Yeah. It's the second most – it's the second longest winning streak in FBS right now. Right, behind Georgia. The giant behind Georgia. And they're well um, behind Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia's like at, what, 30 20, games? No, they're like 24. 40, I think, whatever 25. it is. Yeah. But um, in this stretch, the biggest win, as big as this win was, and this was huge, the biggest win was at Oregon last year. I mean, the – the, the fact is, Washington has been three better than Oregon twice yeah. on both fields. And, and Oregon was higher ranked yeah, in the when they one. played last year. Yeah. Um, this, but obviously, this was the Titanic struggle where they were essentially a pick em. Mm-hmm. Because when you have the odds makers going Washington plus three, they're essentially saying your home field advantage at Husky Stadium so is three points. You, you asked where they'd be ranked. I, I just unless teams in front of them lose, I don't see them being much better than seventh, maybe sixth. Really? You don't oh man, I'm thinking top five. How can they not be I top just, five? Who who well USC's Because we've seen yeah. well, let's put it this way, guys. We've seen teams drop down by having a bye week. Yeah, Florida State won big, Michigan won big, Ohio State won big, Georgia. You, so you won. don't even though those teams won big and they played nobodies, 
You're saying that you don't think Washington's going to get crushed? Chris, you do this for a living. You know what football writers do. They think that a team above them has to yeah, lose but there's football, in order for them. Well, to but there's one poll where it's the writers, and then there's the other poll where it's the coaches. Maybe yeah. maybe if it was a game like, let's say, Michigan be, beats Indiana 24-21, okay, then maybe Michigan drops. Yeah. But they didn't. They won 52-7 to last I saw. They sure. were winning 52-7. to Sure. So well, I, don't, I just don't see how you can drop – Michigan past Washington if they blew out. Because these are the two things I'm curious about. I'm curious about the polls, and I'm also curious to see what the spin is from the national riders on this game. Because we saw saw the missed opportunities in the red zone for both teams, but is it going to be Oregon should have won this game and they blew it because of coaching decisions? Or is it that Washington just ended up being on the right end of a titanic struggle of two really, really good teams? Between game day, what Pat McAfee's probably going to say on Monday about the game here and the atmosphere. And again, the game being at 1230, so a lot of the national people have a chance to watch it. Um, Washington's just where they need to be. They're undefeated, and as long as they keep winning, you know, and they should win the next two games, which shouldn't be an issue. But going into uh, November and going through that gauntlet again with USC, Oregon State, and uh, Washington. Zoo, yeah. um, you know that's where what it all comes. Down of all to. the people, guys, of all the people at the Washington program right now, and I'll wrap it up with this: Who do you think's the happiest guy right now? Because uh, I have one guy in mind. What was the question? Who's the happiest guy in the program right now? <laughs> you just say Will Conroy? Nope. <laughs> no, Washington the football program. program. Oh, football uh, program. Uh, Kalen is. No. Jamarcus. No. Okay, go. Courtney Morgan. Oh, yeah. Because he is going to spin the ever-loving crap out of this game. Well, he's... And it's not for 2024. It's going to be for 25 and beyond. And there was 50 recruits out here that saw it. He walked by me. He goes, you don't think recruits want to come here now? And I said, you know, I bet your answer is... Take a number. I'm we're telling you. We're going to get you one of those dispensers you get at the pizzeria and take a number. I was going to say, I'm telling you right now, guys, I think I think he's the happiest guy right now in that program. Yeah. Because he's totally. got a real story to sell now. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Chris Fetters. I'm, we're done. Scott Eklund. Just real quick. You guys work your... You guys work your asses off, so appreciate you, especially this was a challenging week with me in Vegas. Scott, you know, you had the crud running through the family, so a lot of it got uh, dumped on Chris's lap. Again, we've got a lot of basketball stuff, and we'll have a lot of that next week. So Husky fans, you know, they showed out. We're at the 50-yard line in the visiting coaches' boxes, and we were looking out at Husky Stadium, and these LED lights making the entire stadium purple, it's awesome. It really, really is. Um, Had a chance to talk to Leslie, too. Scott will take the trade off too. (laughs) He'll say, "Well, if we have more twelve thirty starts, I can live without the LED lights." Yeah. Uh, uh, Leslie Tui Asasopo, uh, she's uh, the volleyball coach. And they, said that by the they, way, they just got their first reset uh, sweep. Yeah, she said that the LED lights in heck yeah are awesome, you know, for that. So uh, just a great night. So uh, we'll wrap this up. Also, thanks to Josh, uh, big Josh, the intern. He was I, hoarse. He's gonna and he's gonna he's gonna have to live down a little bit. He's gonna oh, he's, eat some crow. He's going. He's going out partying tonight. And I told him no drinking. He's only nineteen. Yeah. So, but he's he's the only one. Who he's the only one that picked Washington. Oregon, Kim. All right. All right. So, hey, for all of us at Dogman.com and Monica, got yeah. Don't forget Monica. Yep. If uh, you're not a subscriber, subscribe. If you're listening to this and you have friends. Tell them to get on the bandwagon. Dogman.com is where it's at. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.